KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, July 6. Community members stand up against anti-LGBTQ protest. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Reporters this week were given a tour of a San Diego County jail that's partially reopening this week after renovations. Sheriff Kelly Martinez says the extra cells should free up space at other jails in desperate need of maintenance. Michael Cerna, whose daughter Alyssa died in custody in 2019, said improving conditions at jails is important but it won't solve everything. They want to take the focus off of the blame that is theirs also to bear. Two people died last week in custody. It's still going on, even after all of this reform. When will it end? The two deaths last week brings the total number of inmate deaths since the beginning of the year to eight. The San Diego County Fair has officially wrapped up for the year, and organizers say this year was a success. The fair ran for 22 days, and during that time, nearly one million people went along with the theme of the fair and chose to get out there this year. About 25,000 more people attended the fair this year compared to last year. It's been feeling like summer these past few days, but forecasters say a slow cooling trend is in store for the rest of the work week. Temps are expected to be in the low 70s today and tomorrow. It also is expected to be a bit windy. The National Weather Service says gusts could reach up to 20 miles per hour today. Temps are expected to start warming up again over the weekend and into next week. The pride display at the Rancho Penisquitos Library is back following an anti-LGBTQ protest. This is the first time I've ever had someone like completely decimate a display and, you know, basically email and say, I'm not returning your book. So that was new for me. More on that coming up after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, We want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The Pride display at the Rancho Penasquitos Library branch is filled with books again. Last week, two anti-LGBTQ plus protesters checked out everything on the shelf. One emailed saying she wouldn't return the books until the library got rid of what she called inappropriate content for children. Reporter Katie Heisen talked to San Diego's Public Library Director Misty Jones about the incident and the recent challenges to book access. 
We've had, you know, people that have complained about one book or, you know, things like that. We've had, you know, drag queen story times and we've had people call or email saying they don't agree with it. But this is the first time I've ever had someone like completely decimate a display um, and, and, you know, basically email and say, I'm not returning your book. So that was new for me. I heard there were fundraising efforts to replace the book. How are those going? Yeah, so it's interesting. I was actually at the Rancho Penasquitos Library on Monday, and you should see the stack of Amazon <laughs> boxes that they have of people who are purchasing the books to replace them. Uh, our library foundation is having an ongoing fundraising effort. They are uh, really getting inundated. We've had people come into the library that have never been to the library before, but they're coming in to donate a book and getting a library card while they're there. You know, so it's really been an amazing response. You mentioned to the Union Tribune that it's gotten progressively worse in the last five years. Can you tell me about that? We've always had inclusive books. We've always had something that is probably offensive. I always said the library, a good library has something that offends everyone, right? So you, oh, there's always something. Um, but the last five years is when we're really starting to get um, the emails, the calls of people not agreeing. And it's not, it hasn't just been, I don't agree with that. Why are you doing that? It's been really hateful language. And I think that's what's changed. Um, we've always had challenges, but we've never had kind of the personal attacks against um, our librarians. There have been movements to ban books in school libraries. Many of those have been successful. I'm wondering if that's impacted the public library system at all. It has. We're having a lot of people reaching out to us to get those materials that they can't get in schools any longer. And that's across the nation. Probably seen, it, which is just like, the, it's a horror movie to me to see the videos of just piles and piles of books being taken out to recycle bins and dumpsters. And it, it, it's like, it breaks my heart, it's devastating. Um, but we are looking at what can we do? We know we're in a privileged you know, space here in San Diego. So we're looking at how can we also be a support nationally? Are there any concrete ideas you're excited about? Yeah, so we're looking, Brooklyn Public Library started um, really a movement called um, Unbanned Books. And so they boosted their ebook collection to be able to offer it um, to other, you know, um, states to, you know, kids, particularly the young adult, the, you know, children and young adult collection to be able to offer it to, to kids in other states. And Seattle Public Library just joined that movement. So we've been looking at that. I truly do believe that people have, they have the right to believe the way that they want. The problem is that you can't push your beliefs onto other people that may not believe the same way that you do. By checking out all of the books um, because she didn't agree with them. She's denied an entire community from access to those books. And it may be some a book that somebody needs that day. Somebody needs to see that the book trans like me. There is a teenager that is struggling that that book could make a difference for. And by removing that book, you have taken potentially that lifeline away from that person. That was San Diego Public Library Director Misty Jones speaking with KPBS reporter Katie Heisen.
Empowering people who have experienced mental health challenges to use their story to impact policy. That's the goal behind a program launched this year by a local nonprofit. Health reporter Matt Hoffman has more. When Joshua Roberts was 32 years old, his life changed following a bipolar disorder diagnosis. He says what worked out best for him were spiritual models that reframed the way I saw my bipolar and the way that I saw myself, the way that I saw reality. And that's actually made my life way better now than it ever was even before. He recently graduated from a National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI San Diego program. It's training people to use their mental health stories to impact policy. It's called the Smarts for Advocacy program. Robert says he'll advocate to expand the spiritual treatments and peer support services that have helped him. The training gave him understanding for how the system works how the legislation works and who the government is. I always kind of thought they were just these abstract out there people. But then I realized they're just real people and that we can actually contact them. We can actually make these changes. The next Smarts for Advocacy trainings are happening virtually later this month and anyone can sign up. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. The cost and availability of childcare often prevents both parents from taking on full-time jobs. And for parents and law enforcement, odd working hours only raise those barriers. Reporter Tanya Thorne takes a look at how agencies are trying to help their staff with child care. The difficult balance between career and family is something San Diego Sheriff Deputy Daniel Somas knows all too well. He and his wife Emily have a 17-month-old son and a baby girl on the way. The hours I work, they're nights, weekends, holidays. I work over time, so when you're working jails, you're working nights, days, hours, 12 and a half hour days, sometimes can be longer. This reality played a key role in the couple deciding that Emily would leave her job to be a stay-at-home mom. San Diego Sheriff Kelly Martinez says many workers in law enforcement face similar predicaments. You're working a bunch of different hours and shift work and uh, weekends and holidays, you get called out. Uh, so to have reliable, uh, good child care is really important to all of our staff and our deputies. Uh, I was a single parent coming up in this organization, so I was lucky enough to have my parents nearby and they could watch my son, but that's not the case for everyone. The Sheriff's Department is trying to help parents within its ranks through a partnership with Tutris a San Diego-based company that connects parents with vetted child care providers. Parents can search the Tutris database by location and by hours needed, including 24-hour shifts. The benefit of having accessibility to this application and all of these child care providers is you can compare and you'll have, you have more opportunity to know what's available, what's out there, what the cost is. So it really uh, provides the user the opportunity to shop uh, around for the best uh, service or the best provider for them. But the sheriff's department is only paying for the Tutris membership, not the child care. The San Diego Police Department is going a step further by constructing a daycare center for the children of police officers. This comes after a survey recently conducted by the police union showed 21 percent of police officers were thinking about leaving the department over child care issues. And the survey showed 59% had to leave or miss work because of child care problems. San Diego Councilmember Raul Campillo hopes these initiatives will also open the doors to more women in law enforcement. We're seeing a lot of need from city employees like police officers, uh, dispatchers who also have to work through the night, and sheriff's department deputy sheriffs who 
uh, have to take care of their kids in the evenings and nights when they're on the third shift throughout the nighttime. And so the fact that we're seeing people step up from our state legislature to our federal government to help fund that benefit just means that we're going to continue to recruit and retain really good peace officers, which we are desperately in need of uh, right now. The new daycare center for children of SDPD officers and staff is expected to open by the end of the year. We're really just excited that employers are starting to get into this conversation and start to realize the critical, critical support that childcare plays in our keeping our workforce engaged. Kim McDougall is a senior vice president of social services for the YMCA of San Diego County. She says police agencies are not alone in making investments into the childcare needs of their employees. But the childcare industry is still suffering. There continues to be this lack of available care um, and a lack of the kind of care that families are looking for that that is a barrier to a really high-functioning childcare system. Members of the Child Care Providers United Union have been marching in Sacramento for legislation that supports better pay and benefits for care workers. McDougall says this could be a critical step in strengthening the child care industry and providing help families are desperately looking for. Like the Somas family, with the Sheriff's Department's help in finding child care, Emily hopes to re-enter the workforce. My wife have, has ambitions to be a nurse, and it's one of the big things that I think comes with this childcare is if she needs to go back to school, she's able to do that. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, operators of a local theater are trying to replace dozens of puppets and make repairs after a break-in. We'll have that story and more just after the break. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Operators of the historic Marie Hitchcock Puppet Theater in Balboa Park are raising money to replace dozens of puppets and make repairs after a break-in. Reporter M.G. Perez has more details. Surveillance video caught the same suspect breaking into the Marie Hitchcock Puppet Theater, 
first in the early morning hours of June 24th, and then again in the middle of the day on June 26th when the theater was closed. The theater's management says he stole 40 puppets and caused almost $10,000 in damage and losses. Andrea Zinko is president of San Diego's Balboa Puppet Guild, which operates the theater for the city and produces shows with several volunteer puppeteers. That impacts the ability for them to do the shows and impacts the theater's ability to produce those shows and be able to have guests come in and see those shows. Puppet shows will continue this weekend with a scaled-down production. The theater is raising donations to replace what was lost. Information on how to help is on the Marie Hitchcock Puppet Theater's Facebook page. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Now playing at the Old Globe Theatre is Passengers, from the Montreal-based collective The Seven Fingers. The innovative show uses acrobatics, theatre, music, and dance to reveal the dreams and emotions of passengers traveling on a train. Arts reporter Beth Hakamondo checked out a rehearsal at the San Diego Circus Center. Traveling on trains is something circus performers are used to, says Mandy Orozco, who is part of the Seven Fingers physical theater troupe. But for the show Passengers, trains and travel provide a metaphor for how life can unfold. And circus provides the means of expressing that. You feel every emotion in an elevated way through circus, whether that's the physicality of trust, for example, or the idea of losing someone. You know, there's a very... Circus takes a very physical way to express emotions we all know, but it takes everything up a little bit of a level. Orozco appears in an act called Imperfect Strangers. It begins with the discomfort of sitting next to a total stranger, but then shows how that physical proximity can lead to something else. The act involves aerial acrobatics and trapeze to dazzle the audience. One of the things that Seven Fingers specifically as a company is very good at is connecting not only the wow factor and engaging people on an acrobatic level, but also reaching out and grabbing people emotionally. Passengers runs through July 30th at the Globe main stage. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Thursday. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.